Welcome to this podcast of the Sunday Message from Hope Gateway in Portland, Maine. We'd love to have you join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., currently on Zoom and broadcast live on Facebook. Visit our website at hopegateway.com to learn more. Whether you live near or far, we hope you find this message to be meaningful. Wherever you are, join us in doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. Glad to say that Linda is online joining us this morning, so she was hearing her words as I shared them. So, composting Christianity. The framework that we've been working with for the all of it, really, is, and um, as I heard again in the podcast um, that framed this for us that we had a discussion about this week, um, this time in the life of Christianity, it seems that domination and dominion is what we need to let go of. There have been other developments in our religion over the long Paul, but right at this moment, it seems like domination is something we have embraced and we do not embrace as religion. So communion is a more beautiful way to test things. Is this communion or is this domination? And that if it is communion, I would say that's the way we need to go. So In that light, I'm going to ask you to tell me what you have heard about the Bible. Not just the good stuff, all the stuff, okay? What do people say it is? Just take this image in, right? The Bible all lit up with stars and light and holiness. The Word of God. What claims do people make about its authority? What else? Inerrant and infallible. Inerrant and infallible. And what do those words mean, Jane? I don't know if I don't read that. Victory. You're right. Perfect. Perfect. And they work it is. Loving life. A good book. As opposed to all the other bad books. <laughs> Black and white. It is or it isn't. <laughs> Story. Story. Yeah, Sarah. Disciples wrote the Bible. The, dis- the disciples wrote the Bible. That's what we've been told. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John had heard some good news and they passed it on, right? That's the song that I learned as child. They did pass it on, but they didn't write it down. Poetry. Poetry. Myth. Laws. Spiritual guidance. Spiritual guidance. Okay, it's old that the new with the new is better. <laughs> so all the, it is not as good as the new, right? Yeah. God has God has compassion. 
Many different authors. Many different authors. Over a long period of time. At least the Old Testament. Messages. Messages by prophets, messages by the authors. But how the blood, but not all of We got we about eight and a half, but I'm not really into that. Yep, there is a canon of the Bible, which includes those that were chosen. And and different people have different canons. We're going to get into that. And if they were written by men. They were written by men. Primarily male men. Primarily male men. <laughs> um, okay, before we move on to some facts, I just want to share this next slide with you. Jesus sealing the deal for all hotels to have his book in the bedside. That was shared by the Bible for Normal People. I highly recommend them. Uh, yeah, it's his hand on Instagram. Just yesterday, I couldn't resist. It's not really Jesus' book, just, just, you know. So, the New Testament is composed of 27 books and letters written mostly in Greek, written by the authors. The originals that were written by the authors have not survived. We have copies of the copies. And scholars believe that it was accepted as an official New Testament in the 4th century or maybe the 5th century in the, the process called canonization. And this happened at a series of official councils, including the Council of Nicaea, where a group of church leaders, all men, and flows with said, got together to debate what would be included and what would be ex. And the goal was not to completely speak with one voice about Jesus and Christianity, but to have a wide range of perspectives. But that has been pushed back against, again, and again, and some, including me, wish that the range included was even wider than it was. But there's not actually an official stamp on what the Bible is and what it isn't until 1546 for Catholics, 1563 for the Church of England, 1670 for the Greek Orthodox Church, and it was only in 1804 that the Apocrypha, a group of other sets included in the Catholic Bible, and some Jewish Bibles, was removed from the Bible, Protestant Bible, complete. 1804. God said it. I believe it. That's it. In 1804. So, before we get further along, I'd like to share with you some words of Jesus about starting again. It conflicts. This is from the translation or paraphrase of the Bible, the message. 
just one that I like to use because I think it gets to the essence, even though it's not literally um, translated. John 12, 24. Listen, carrot. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never anything more than a grain. But if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. In the same way, anyone who calls on to life as it is destroys them. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. The first time I really remember encountering this passage was in seminary. And uh, one of my classmates was a biologist and a farm. She said, I get really upset when I read this passage. Because Jesus didn't seem to understand how seeds work. And I don't know if Jesus understood or not, but definitely the people of his time, because the literal translation is that the seed dies. It goes into the earth and dies. And we know that seeds contain life, and when they go into the earth, they become life. They don't actually die when they go into the earth, because we understand how seeds work. But, It sounds like compost, doesn't it? Letting go, kenosis, not clinging, self-giving, letting go of what was not holding on to our former understandings and ways of doing things and embracing a new way of being answered. So back to the Bible, large. You know about the King James Version? Brad, Brad Ledgers. Um, so here's a little meme that I came across. What does the NIB, this is the new international version, which is fairly conservative version, but a fairly decent version. Um, this guy says, I got saved reading the NIB. How could you say it's no good? And this other guy says, do you want to have all of God's words just as he said that? Jesus did not speak English. Jesus maybe didn't even speak Greek. Jesus spoke Aramaic, which is a form of Hebrew that was spoken at the time. So when Jesus was telling the stories to his disciples, they were not in English, and there was no video recording exactly what he said and transcribing that in real time. That did not happen at all. Nothing even like that remotely. First of all, most of the people who Jesus surrounded himself with and his, um, all of the people of his people at that time, most of them did not read or write. 
maybe Jesus couldn't even read or write. That's actually very possible that he did not know how to read or write. And most of his disciples did not know how to read and write. It was not normal to know how to read and write at that time. They were a oral culture. They told stories. They passed things on. They thought in ways that were storytelling. We are textual, right? We want to know literally, did you, is that exactly what you said? What did you actually mean? Because we want to know exactly the meaning of every little word. And if you use that word and not that word, it's really important and significant, right? So most of the storytelling about Jesus happened orally. It was passed from one person to another, and they would tell the stories, and they would recount the things, and the pieces that we passed from that were the ones that were passed on. Because the Gospels were not written by the disciples. They were not written right after Jesus died. They took their pens out and wrote it down. This was a generation later, at least, that these stories were recorded by people who knew how to read and write and who wanted to do that. And the holy reason that we have Paul's, Paul's letters are the first, the new, earliest version, the earliest documentation that we have about our in the Bible. And the reason that we have those is because Paul was writing letters. And so you to to communicate with somebody that's far away from you, you have to write it down. That's the only way that you do it. So it was a circumstantial creation of these things that are in order. So I got what was I trying to King James Version is not the official version of the Bible. But do you know there is an official version of the New Testament? It's right here in my hand. It's called the Nestle Allen Novum Testamentum Cross. I don't know if I'm saying that right. And this is the 27th edition, which I got in 1997. And there is now a 28th edition. And in 2025, there will be a 29th edition. And on the page, next slide, this so the, the Bible, the official New Testament, is written in Greek. And this is what it says in John 12, 25. Truly I say to you, unless the seed of wheat, having fallen into the ground, dies, it remains alone. And like, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. The one loving his life destroys it. Yet the one feeding his life in this world will guard it closely for eternal life. So on the page where it has all of this, in the Gospel of John, in the 12th chapter, next slide, it looks like this. So the first top of the page is the is are the first. And this bottom section that's a little wider are the footnotes. There's a lot of footnotes on every page in this book. There are a lot of footnotes. And do you know why? 
But let's just look at the 25th verse. This is the footnotes for verse 25. In the verse, it says, Apo, wrong, I'm really bad at pronouncing. This is what my Greek teacher in college told me in the Greek tragedy is that everybody learns Greek and then forgets everything they ever learned. I stop. So, I'm not gonna. So, the word there, right after 25, Apollos. Apollose is different than is written in the um, the version above. And it is Apollo. Uh, maybe. So one means destroy, and the other means disappear. So in this 25, it says all of these symbols right before the TXT are the versions that, that use the words there. Abolasite. And then all of these symbols after TXT are the ones that use the version that is above. It, it doesn't really matter. That I, it doesn't really, I don't really care if it disappears or destroys. I'm just telling you that in the official version of the New Testament, it says it could be this word because all of these manuscripts say this word and or it could be this word because all of these manuscripts say this word. And they all say that in common. So some, one of those is maybe original. Maybe. God said it. I believe it. That's it. A little bit more complicated than that. A little bit more complicated than that. Um, Brian McLaren says the Bible is like a map. A notebook. It is filled with problems to help you learn. But it is not a book of, there are some answers and there's some teaching there, but there's a lot of practice work for us to do. Israel, the man Jacob was renamed Israel after wrestling with God. And then all of the people, all of the descendants of Jacob are called Israel. And the meaning of the word Israel is those who wrestle, those who wrestle with God. So I would say the point of the Bible is to be like a math book to invite us to wrestle, to invite us into deeper reflection and thought and understanding and learning from the stories of those who would have gone before us. The answers aren't handed to us. We have to work it out for ourselves. We have to wrestle the wisdom out of the ancient courts. There are lots of ways to read the Bible. Have you noted? But that, I believe, is the power of great ancient literature. There are lots of ways that it can be read.
And I believe the problem that I have encountered is that I have been handed a colonialist lens by white men for reading the Bible. And I've been told, even though I have not been educated by conservative biblical teachers for many years, but I have also been, I have been told in various ways by mostly men in authority that they know what it's supposed to say and they understand it brightly and any other understanding is inferior. But the beauty of this time that we are living in is that we get to be exposed to so many different ideas that are not traditional, authoritative, scholarly, white, European, colonialist, patriarchal men. There are a lot of people of a variety of backgrounds teaching us and helping us understand. One of those people that I have been learning from that I've mentioned before is Kat Armas. And she um, says, Pentecost was a political protest where the people spoke the language, not of the oppressor, not of the empire, but could communicate with one another. And that was Ravel. I would never have seen that except this Cuban-American woman taught me that, and I said, of course that's what it's about. Of course that's what it's about. Not the only thing that it's about, but clearly that's what it looks like. Another insight that I have learned from someone of late is that from Victoria Lors, who is a leader at church, wilding the church and getting in touch with nature, and the connection of everything. And she has reminded us of the ancient idea that logos is not word, definitive, defined, limited, authoritative, the Bible, but it is conversation. It's an ongoing interaction of everything. Yes, that's true. Paul Arthur Riley tells the story of creation just when Adam and Eve were getting kicked out of the garden because they were bad. Because they ate a bad apple. <laughs> they ate some fruit. Yes, they did. The fruit of wisdom. But a part that I had missed in that story until she pointed it out to me is that God knelt down and made them close. They were naked and ashamed, and God knelt down and made them close. That seems like a really important part of that story that I missed. We learned from David Garcia, who we followed last Lent, that Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey to start a political riot. Clearly, and I learned recently from Erna Kim Hackett, a 
Korean-American um, thinker, that the feeding of the 5,000 was Jesus' opportunity to teach men to feed the crowd, since clearly they didn't know how to do that. They still got fist and the, yeah, from a little boy. And everybody fed and then he gave them instructions on how to deal with the leftovers. Clearly, that's true. One of the ways that I have been engaging the Bible lately is to read this version, the Gospels, a new translation by Sarah Breeden, who is a theologian and a Quaker. And what I love most about this translation is that the footnotes don't resolve things. They say, yeah, that's kind of weird. That doesn't really make sense. That did happen in that time period with these people. Or this is connected to this other thing over here, but they're not, she's very honest and not defending and uses modern language, but also um, tries to translate as accurately as possible. Does it diminish the Bible to say that it's not inerrant? I would say no. I would say that it diminishes the Bible to say that it has one meaning that was decided on by men in power who were allied with empire. The depth of wisdom that can be wrestled out of these ancient texts by people who see themselves as characters on the page is unlisted. So do you be a little afraid of the Bible? Yeah. So do you be afraid of people who wield the Bible with authority and claim to understand it completely? Well, should you be intrigued and fascinated by what we can learn about God from the Bible? Sure. Should we take advantage of this time that has never been for but available to all of us to learn from women and queer folk and disabled theologians and colonized voices about the meaning of scripture? Absolutely. I have been gifted again and again with fresh understanding from voices who have much different life experience than powerful white men who have typically told white Americans what the Bible means. When they explain what they see in the stories of scripture, I am shocked and surprised at their clarity and perspective. And I think, of course, that's what it says. Why have I never seen that before? Because I was handed a white colonialist ableist lens, just to name a few of the lenses that limit the way I see the world. There is an ancient rabbinic saying about the Bible called printing the gem. And the idea is that when you look at it from a different angle, there is something that you haven't seen before, something beautiful and engaging by just turning the gem. 
Okay, done. May we approach all things, including the Bible, with humility and curiosity. Because it is in the wrestling that we truly find God and find ourselves. Nancy Soth. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. To hear more about Hope Gateway and to discover how together we can do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God, visit our website at hopegateway.com.